welcome to the Soul Revival Church Podcast. My name is Melissa Poisel, and my husband TJ and I are the lead pastors here at Soul Revival. Thank you so much for listening in. We pray that today's message is encouraging and inspiring. Hey, how's everybody doing? Yeah? All right, how's the other half of you doing? (laughs) All right, we're ready to go. Man, I get it though. Sometimes you get in that moment of worship and we're, we're praising God and it's like, man, I'm still in that moment because I'm still in that moment that we can come before God and just rest in his presence and that we can experience him and all we have to do is lift our hands. All we have to do is ask. All we have to do is be open to that opportunity. Man, so good to be here with you this morning. I realized when I welcomed everyone, I did not say who I was. So if we haven't had the pleasure of meeting yet, my name is TJ. My wife, Melissa, and I are the lead pastors here at Soul Revival Church, and we're excited to have you here with us. Um, We know that you could have been doing anything else. You could have been anywhere else, and the fact that you made it here, I mean, honestly, there's no better excuse on a nice, cool fall morning to say, I might just want to sleep in. So can you give yourselves a hand? Celebrate the fact that you're here. And if you're online, that's the Holy Spirit convicting you. There's no condemnation in Christ. Can I get an amen? (laughs) So we've been in a series called The Way. Um, The first followers of Jesus were called followers of The Way. And the reason they were called this is because they did things the way Jesus did them. And it was something so specific about the way they followed their faith and their hope in Jesus that anybody who saw them were like, man, they're part of the way. Because the way that they live their lives is a reflection of who Jesus is. And we see things happening. And we see that something's happening through them. And they're a part of the way. So as a church, we wanted to explore what does that look like? Who Jesus was. What it means to be a part of the way. And how can we live in a way where other people will look at us and be like, yeah. They're followers of the way. Hey, there's something different about them. I want to know more about the way they're living. So that's what we've been diving into. That's what we've been exploring is understanding what does it look like to follow the way of Jesus. And today I'm going to read a verse from you uh, from Acts. If you have your Bible with you, we're going to be in Acts 1. If you don't, that's cool. There's a free Bible app you can check out. But uh, we always let people know in advance, though, the Bible is not something to be intimidated by. If you've never opened a Bible or you've never had one or maybe you had one, you're like, I'm not going to get close to it because there's so many rules in there. Uh, This is a love story about the God of the universe who created you and me so that we can live in relationship with him. And because of the free will that we were given, sin entered the world and separated us and he came back after us culminating with the sending of his son Jesus to die for us. And that is a love story that we get to learn about and that we get to explore. And then he gives us wisdom and guidance through his word on how to live our lives to protect our hearts. Now we're all on the same page. Not physically, because your Bible might have a different page than mine, or your app may not have a page. But I'm going to read Acts 1-7. And it says, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. And today, the topic we're going to be talking about is waiting. They're like, how long did I have to wait to hear you say an answer? And if you're taking notes, the title of the message is Waiting Room. 
Would you pray with me? God, I thank you. I thank you that you are here, that you are in this space. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak the words that you have for each ear, that you would help me get out of the way because you are working, you are doing a new thing, and you have plans for all of us, God, and I pray that you would reveal that to us here today and beyond. Lord, we thank you that we get to come together and gather and celebrate your name, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Waiting. Who doesn't love to wait, right? Like now, even with technology, if you want to go to a restaurant, it's like, do they have online check-in? Or, you know, my wife might send me in and say, can you check out how long the wait is? And then you decide, like, okay, 25 minutes. I don't, what do you think? 25, is that good? Because sometimes you get a 45 and you're like, oh, no, we got to find something else to do. My whole entire schedule just got blown up because they don't accept reservations in 45 minutes. What in the world will I do with 45 minutes? 25, that might be more manageable. Maybe that's okay. Maybe I'll be willing to wait 25. And others are like, nope, I'm door dashing at that point. I might even door dash from this restaurant and I'll meet the driver at my place because I don't want to wait. I think even in the culture that we live in right now, this, this desire for instant gratification has made waiting even that much more challenging. It's like, man, I just posted a picture. Did anybody like it yet? They probably didn't refresh it. Let me text my friend, hey, did you see my post? Oh, you didn't? You should check it out. Like it for me. Could you reshare it too? I'm tired of waiting. I need people to like this quickly. Or maybe it's within your job and you're like, man, I've just been waiting on this promotion and I know I'm qualified. And they keep telling me, yeah, it's yours. You just got to wait a little bit longer. How long is too long? So I'm tired of waiting. Waiting is terrible. And I hate it. We hate to wait. By all the laughter, I can tell that you're on the same boat. But what if I told you our faith is actually a call to wait? Oof, that doesn't feel good. I'm out. Why'd you invite me to this church today? I've been waiting for God to talk to me, and I'm like, the wait is over. It needs to happen today. Now we're talking about waiting. But waiting, waiting, it's a special time, even though it's a time that does not feel good at all. Historically, we can run through the Bible, and there's a whole lot of waiting that takes place. And there's a Hebrew word for waiting that they use, and it's called quava. Not quavo. It's not, it's not the artist. Okay, quava. I got one laugh. Thanks. But it means to plait, like the intertwining of hair or a rope, like this, this process of weaving, like braiding some hair, taking time. It's very interesting, the thought of that, because we think of waiting as, man, my life is on hold and there's a pause right now taking place. But the Hebrew word and the definition and the way that we read it here is like, no, there's actually action taking place. Doesn't make sense if I'm waiting. See, if we start even in the Old Testament, and there's a, a flood that Noah is waiting for. Dude spent his whole life building a ship, and people thought he was crazy in the middle of the wilderness because he trusted that God said a flood's going to come. And he waited, and he waited. Abraham 
Him and Sarah, they were promised that they were going to have a son. And they waited and they waited and they waited. David was anointed to be king as a teenager and he waited and he waited and he waited before becoming king. All of this waiting, all of this waiting that we can look at through the course of the Bible and it's easy for us to read because you can turn the page and be like, oh, the wait is over. You know when you see a really good movie and it's building up that anticipation and then you're like, oh, oh, to be continued. Like what? Six months before the next one? I'm going to sit here until all the credits are gone and maybe, maybe they'll give me another little video just to see what's going to happen next. Because we don't want to wait. But waiting in those days was real for them too. Like there was years and years of waiting. Abraham, the promise he was given is that his lineage would outnumber the stars. It's a waiting period he never even got to see the end of. But through the course of the Old Testament, they were also waiting on a promised Messiah. The Israelites had been promised that there was going to be a Messiah that would come and bring a new kingdom that would change everything. And all of the, new or the Old Testament is waiting for this moment, waiting for this moment. And then we read Malachi, and then God goes silent. Between the Old and the New Testament spans 400 years. 400 years of God's people sitting there waiting and they're feeling like nothing is happening. They're in this waiting room and God is not speaking at all. 400 years. You know what's really interesting though about what was happening historically speaking in those 400 years? I'm gonna share five things with you that I think are really cool. If you're like me and you like history, like this is, this, this is the stuff you learn in your history class but you forgot or you don't remember learning because you weren't paying attention. But I think it's awesome. The first is Alexander the Great. Who remembers learning about Alexander the Great? So Alexander the Great conquered the known world at that time. That's right, Grady, he was the GOAT, legit. You know, athletes like, oh, it's the GOAT, greatest of all time for a sport. And I'm not hating because I love sports, but like this dude conquered the known world. This happened in those 400 years. You want to know what that meant, though? That by him conquering the known world, there was now a known language of Greek that was spoken everywhere throughout the world. And then, in about 280 B.C., the Old Testament was translated into Greek from Hebrew. So now, with every nation... Every span of the known world speaking Greek, now they could actually read the Old Testament. They could actually read about God. Everyone now had access. You want to know the next thing that happened? A thing I'm very thankful for, the Socratic method. You're like, what is that? Well, before those days, Socrates, like before he was even a known thing, it was like, hey, if someone was teaching you something, you just shut up and listen. All the teachers said amen. 
But the Socratic method brought in this interesting idea of learning as more of a two-way conversation where you can now ask questions so that you could learn more and say, I don't understand what that means, so let me ask a question. And now it became something that was acceptable to have a discussion. And then in 63 BC, the Romans conquered the Greek. And as Rome took over, now was this time within the known world that was actually quiet and still. There wasn't wars taking place. And what that allowed the Roman Empire to then do is focus on building roads, highways, creating connecting points between all of these different cities. And the last thing is this word called diaspora. But it was the Israelites that didn't want to stay in Jerusalem and because of all of these changes that were taking place, they were scattered throughout the known world. In this season of 400 years that we look at as waiting and think, man, nothing is happening. What's going on? We've been waiting and waiting and waiting. And God's like, no, I'm just setting things up so I can bring a Messiah. Because you need to know that in the middle of the waiting, God's still working. You need to know that in the middle of your waiting, God is still at work. Even if you don't hear his voice. But faith means I'm trusting him anyways. For 400 years, the Israelites are like, man, God's not talking to me. There's no known prophets and they're not sharing a word. That did not mean that God was not still working because he was working some things out. And that's what's so cool about who God is. Man, you might not even follow Jesus. You may not even believe, but God works all things together for the good of those who love him. He's like, hey, I got a plan that I'm working out and I'll use any pawn that I need to to set things up properly. Because after those four years, we get the book of Matthew where we get to learn about the coming of a king. His name is Jesus. And when Jesus came, now there was an avenue for everybody to hear about him. Now there was an opportunity for people to hear about this Messiah that everyone had been waiting for. The time had come, and it was time for a change. It was time for transformation. It was Jesus entering into history as we would see him. He had always been there, but God was performing a setup. Oh, in the middle of the waiting, God's still working, I promise. So whatever you're facing right now, whatever challenges within your life and you feel like you've just been waiting and waiting and waiting and you're like, man, I'm even crying out to God and I cannot even hear his voice. Is he even here? Am I doing the wrong thing? Did I take the wrong step? Am, not, am I not going where he called me to go? You got to have faith. You have to believe because whatever the last thing that God called you to do, whatever he had given you that prompting to do, he's called you to it. And even if you don't hear him right now in this season, he is working in the middle of your waiting. He is working in the middle of it, whether you can hear him or not. Now, I feel like God is always speaking. We always have an opportunity to connect with God. He has not left us. But sometimes he might just not be speaking in to the moments the way we would like. And you feel like you found yourself in a waiting room. I'm just waiting. My life right now just feels like a waiting room. Like I'm just here, looking around. Melissa and Christy's dad had heart surgery this past week. And as we were communicating when he was having surgery, it's like, man, 
this idea of sitting in a waiting room, my mind went and it paralleled it to like when we were about to have a kid. Because there's different kinds of waiting when you're in a waiting room. You could be waiting with anxiety about the uncertainty of things to come. Or you might be waiting there with anticipation like, man, I can't wait till it comes. We get to choose how we wait in the moment. And when we trust in God, despite what the world will tell us, despite what circumstances will show us in the moment, we can wait there with an anticipation about good things to come, even if the world will tell us it's not good. How we wait matters. Waiting, waiting is a reflection of patience. Everybody knows love is patient, love is kind. You've been to a wedding recently. Like love is patient. And you can replace that word with God. God is patient. If God is patient with us, don't you think he's going to be patient in what he's doing and what he's working? We don't like that, though, because we want the instant gratification. We want God to just show up and take care of business. If he wanted to do that, he could have sent Jesus as a grown man to just conquer the world, but he didn't. He sent him as a child, this vulnerable child, and he said, man, i got a plan, and i got to work it out in my timing because God is patient. So this idea of waiting is hard for us because we live in this culture filled with hurry, and hurry and patience are contradictory terms. So how do we just slow down? How do we take a breath? See, what I'm sharing with you today is are the things God's been working on my own heart. We're not apart from that. Waiting is challenging and difficult. And as I've been praying about it this week, we went, we went out for lunch Friday. They were like, 25-minute wait. Cool. And I went and sat with my boys. I watched them read books. And I just decided, God, help me be present in this moment. God will give you a peace and a comfort in the middle of your waiting, even when you feel like it's taking forever. Even when the wait time is longer than you would want it to be, he's there and he's with you. Let's slow down. Let's take a deep breath. Let's trust that God's doing something because in the middle of your waiting, God is still working. So last week, last week I shared a story and I want to go back to it. Because as we were talking about the difference between hurry and being busy, because hurry is filled with anxiety and you're always in a rush. We're being busy. Jesus was always busy, but never in a hurry because he took his time to be in the moment. And we read about this leader named Jairus, whose child was about to die, who came to Jesus and Jesus was about to go with him. And then this woman met him. And I want to pick up there because the version we read was kind of quick. So today I want to slow down. I want us to dive into it a little bit deeper. Mark 5, 24 to 26. So Jesus went with him, talking about Jairus. And a large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. So this is what we read last week. But we get more details here with Mark. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. For 12 years, this poor woman was dealing with 
the issue of bleeding, as they say. But what that meant for her and her culture and her context is that she would have been cast out. She would have been looked at as unclean, that if anybody got even close to her and even tried to touch her, even had a conversation with her, were now looked at as, as unclean. Had to go through this whole ceremonial cleansing process. So they would have ostracized her and thrown her out as an outcast. If she were married, she would have been forced to get divorced. She would have been living on her own. And for 12 years, she's doing everything she can. And she's going to every single doctor that she can think of, trying to get answers. And she found herself worse off than she was to start. Because after all the doctors, she still found herself not only suffering, but now she had nothing. And I don't know what kind of doctors of the day that is. And I want to look at it from a different perspective, not so much from a medical side, because I feel like God has given us physicians. He has given us people that are very wise and that can help us. But it's more around our heart of where we're looking and where we're going for answers or in the middle of our waiting when we're in the middle of the suffering. Because it doesn't say for 12 years she went and went to God every single day and was asking him for wisdom and guidance. But no, she was going to doctors. We keep going to the wrong doctors called Facebook and Instagram. We keep going to the wrong doctors called friends and those that are acquaintances to see what they think about us. We keep going to the wrong doctors called our profession to see how successful we're doing. We're going to the wrong doctors to find a hope that cannot be found there because our hope can only come in Jesus. We got to go to the right doctor. Jesus is known as the great physician. He said, I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. I'm looking for the broken. I'm looking for the hurting. And I want to help them. And I want them to know that they are loved and they're cared about. And they don't have to keep on suffering. But she waited. Caught in a waiting room. Twelve years of just waiting. But you need to know that when you're in the middle of your waiting, God's not saying, no, he just might be saying, not that. That's the wrong answer. Don't go there. As we felt this call into full-time ministry, we felt like God said, hey, I'm calling you to go out and to share the gospel, to help people's lives be transformed. And in the moment, we thought that meant through youth ministry. We had been leading a youth ministry. We'd been doing it bivocationally. We were just waiting for the moment to get officially hired on. And I'll never forget the day we had the meeting when it was like, hey, I don't think this is the right move. We had been waiting for this call. God had put this call on our lives, and we thought for sure that was the answer. We thought that was our doctor. And as you get a no in that moment and your hopes, it seems like it's lost. It's like, well, God, what am I supposed to do now? Now that we're sitting in the waiting for you, that might be that promotion you've been waiting for. For you, it might be that struggle just trying to have a child because you just want to be a parent so desperately and you don't understand why you're having to wait and the answers that you're getting from the worldly doctors are not the ones you want to hear. But I just want you to know that God's not saying no. He's just saying not that. That's not the way. He also might be telling you that it's, it's not a no, but it's just a not yet. It's a not yet. It's I've got some work to do in your life, through your life, and in a few other people's lives too because I'm working and orchestrating this tapestry of perfection and I just need you to wait. 
And as we prayed and as we prayed and as we prayed and God started to put it on our heart like, you're supposed to plant a church. Like, what? We were just told that that's not for us. Plant a church then? That's just crazy. And then random people would start to say, hey, you ever thought of planting a church? No one ever said that to us before, ever. Like, uh, no. And then another person, then another person, then another person. Then we go to the same place where we got the no, and we say, hey. Sometimes you go back to the places that told you no just to try to get another no to prevent you from stepping into your destiny. And in that conversation, like, no. I'm saying yes. I see that over your life and over Melissa's life, and that's something that you have to do. Sometimes a no from God just means not yet, and he's got a plan for you. And I would love to tell you that from that moment on, it was a golden path. Everything's been lovely and awesome. It took us almost two years just to sell our house, just to get a church planning organization to help us come in and train with them. But every moment in that waiting was building our character to prepare us for where we are right now. And every moment that we're in right now is preparing us for the destiny he has for us next. So as we're sitting in our waiting, just know that while you are waiting, God is still working. He's working. He's refining. He's preparing. But his plans are perfect. So if his plan is perfect, we can trust him. The Israelites waiting 400 years. Imagine how many generations now are just living off of the promises and the answered promises and the words spoken from generations before. But that's where we find ourselves 2,000 years after the Messiah had been here. But thank goodness that we have his word, that we can cling to it, that we can trust in his promises, that we can look at everything he's done in the past and trust him for our present and our future because he'll give us what we need in the waiting. God's not done yet. He's still working in your life. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. She's like, if I can just get close enough, here's this person that was told, you are an outsider and an outcast. Do not come near anyone. And here's this huge crowd of people. And she's like, yeah, but if I can just get close. There's this moment where she got so desperate because her suffering got so bad. And she said, if this Jesus is who he says he is, I just need to get close enough and I can be healed. Someone in here needs to know that today, that you've been hiding and now you feel like you're in the middle of a crowd. But Jesus sees you and he's saying, hey, just get close, just get close because you can do it. Pursue him. Go after him. He is the only doctor with the answer. He is the great physician. She's like, if I can just get close enough, if I can just touch it, if I can just hear a word from God, if he would just meet me right now, if he would just send somebody my way and let me know it's going to be okay, God, I'm praying and believing you for this suffering to end. I've been waiting for so long, God, I just need you to show up. And immediately, her bleeding stopped. And she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Twelve years she waited, but God was doing something for this moment. We find ourselves in waiting rooms all the time. This was her waiting room. That she was then getting ready to come out of. 
I don't know why she had to go through it. There's things in our lives we don't understand why we have to go through, but if we trust God and we have faith, we trust him even in the difficult times, even in the challenges. You've been through so much waiting, I feel like I could be up here for hours. You guys bring your water? But I wouldn't change any of it because the things that God does in those seasons, this desperation that this woman was left with, like, I just need to get to God. Because I've tried everything else. Let's stop trying everything else and let's go to the source. In the middle of the waiting, God's still working. Here's what I love, though. It's getting good. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched me? Who touched me? Who touched me? Come on. Better not touch me. Better watch my shoes. Don't scuff them. Who touched me? You see the people crowding against you, and in Luke, you hear that this is Peter. If you would have guessed which disciple would have said this, it would have been Peter. His disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? Like, there's people everywhere. Everybody's touching you, Jesus. Are you crazy? Like, what? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. It's an important thing to note here that I want to share with you is Jesus did not, he did not, um, did not not know. I was about to say a double negative and thinking, how do I come back from here? Let's just go back a second. Jesus knew exactly who touched him. (laughs) He was not surprised. He was not shocked. What he was doing was giving this woman an opportunity to come forward. He knew exactly who touched him. And he knew exactly what she had gone through for the last 12 years. And he wanted her to know that he knew. Whatever you've been going through, whatever waiting season you've been in the middle of and you feel like God's starting to penetrate your heart a little bit, like he knows and he's there and he cares and he wants you to know that he knows. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. See, because the way that she had been outcast and ostracized and told that she's not good enough and can't come near anyone, she thought she was going to get the same type of response from Jesus, this rabbi, this teacher, because every other rabbi and teacher was telling her that she needed to go somewhere else, that she was not welcome. So she goes forward with this fear and trepidation about how the response is going to meet her because she had been told that if she touched anybody that they would be made unclean. But Jesus comes and says, no, I can touch anybody and make them clean. I can touch anybody and take away the pain. I can touch anybody and help them exactly where they're at. He has that power to do so because he loves you so much. And he wanted her to know, hey, come tell me your story. Tell me what happened because I want everybody else to hear about this. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. What is key here is that she had just felt like she was free from her suffering. You ever have a feeling you walk out of a worship service and you're like, oh, I feel so good. And then by Wednesday, you're doubting your faith. He's like, no, 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 no. I need you to know you are cured from your suffering. Somebody today needs to know that you are cured from your suffering. Even if you're still in a waiting season, it's okay because God's not done. In the middle of the waiting, God's still working. He's got your back. 
And he wants you to know whatever you think about yourself and whatever anybody else has told about you are not true. You're worthy to come to me. And through me, I can make you clean. We're not always going to understand why we have to wait as long as we do and why it works out that way. But I will tell you that anytime we've had to wait, when we get on the other side of that waiting season and we look back, we go, yep, that had to happen. That waiting had to happen. I didn't like it when it was happening, but it had to happen. Think about it as an athlete preparing and training for a season. It's like no one likes to get up super early except like crazy athletic people. And if that's you, man, pray for me because I just want to get up maybe one day a month and work out. (laughs) I consider Sunday morning as my workout. I'm like, yeah, we did a doctor's intake. (laughs) Do you work out and exercise? This is not part of the message. It just came into my mind. And I'm like, yeah, once a week. Melissa's like, what'd you put? I'm like, once a week, you know, Sundays, working out. But as an athlete's working out and preparing for the season, it's like, man, they're waiting in anticipation for a season to come. The waiting and the work in the middle of the waiting doesn't always feel good, but it pays off when you step into the place God has for you. It's preparing you for something. We've got to ask ourselves the question, like, do you just want to be cured or do you want to be saved? Do you just want a momentary answer to a worldly problem or do you want salvation through Christ to say, man, I've got a God who's with me because here's one thing I will guarantee you, there will be one waiting season after another. Matter of fact, let me ask a question in here. Who right now is in the middle of a waiting season? If you're not, let's talk after service. Let me know how you're doing what you're doing. But like who just came out of a waiting season? You've been waiting for answers, you finally got one. Grady, I might have to get you up here to share with some people. The only hand that went up. See, here's the thing. There's waiting seasons that we will face within our lives, but God will get you through it. But hang around with enough people who are trusted in God like you are because then you can celebrate when their waiting season ends and it will encourage your heart in the midst of your own too. That's why we got to do life together. Got to do it. I'm going to ask the team to come up. I'm almost done. Maybe. First to ten closes. Waiting room. There is a why behind the wait. There is. There is a why behind your wait, whatever you're going through right now. There is a, there's a reason for it, even if we don't have the answer for it, but that's what faith is about. It's about trusting in God even when it feels uncertain or improbable. It's saying, God, I'm trusting you in the middle of my waiting because I just want to slow down. I want to live in the moment. I want to find joy and peace because I have a decision to make. Am I going to sit in my waiting with an anticipation of great things to come or with anxiety about a fear of things to come? This woman was felt that she was saved from her suffering, but still had an anxiety and a trembling and a fear as she came before Jesus, where he's like, no, 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 let's get rid of that and let's accept the fact that you have been saved. Your suffering is over. Let's celebrate that. It's his response there that can give you an excitement and an anticipation in your waiting season, even if the waiting doesn't feel good. And after Jesus had shared this and he continues to perform more miracles throughout his ministry, there is a time that comes where he would then go and suffer for us. Where he would go 
and get arrested for a crime he didn't commit. That he would be beaten and ultimately crucified for you and me. That he would go through such torture and suffering through a season of waiting, waiting for his father to fulfill the promise that he had. See, but as Jesus goes to the cross for you and the cross for me and his blood covers our sin, it is that that allows us to come to him even if we might feel unclean because he is willing to make us clean. And it is through his sacrifice that he made for us. And after his death, burial, and resurrection, he comes back and hangs out for like 40 days. In Acts 1-3, it says, after his suffering, He presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. He was like, hey, I've suffered and I've gone through a difficult time. This was this waiting season that didn't feel good, but I'm here to let you know that I am still here. And there is a kingdom in heaven that's far greater than anything you can encounter here. The wait is worth it. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. As you step into a relationship with Jesus, when you accept him as your savior, you then receive his power within you that is called the Holy Spirit or the great comforter. Whatever waiting room you find yourself in, there is a comforter there for you. Don't miss out on it. Don't avoid it. Don't ignore it. The Holy Spirit is saying, I'm here for you, and I can give you comfort and peace in your waiting. Because what if you're in a waiting room, and you're waiting on an important surgery that's life or death for someone that you love, and you're sitting there smiling with a peace because you know that God is in control, and people look at you and be like, oh, are you waiting for a baby? No, then you can share your story. Actually, somebody I love very much is in the middle of a battle. But I know the God I serve and what he's capable of. And I trust in his plan over my own. So I can sit here with joy and anticipation of what's to come. And I don't need to have anxiety because I can trust in a good God. That even when I'm waiting, I'm trusting and knowing that God is still working. They gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? See, they had been waiting. They had been waiting. They know about the Old Testament. Then there's 400 years of waiting. So now that the Messiah has come, they're like, you're about to take it all back, right? We thought you were about to do it before you got killed, but then you got killed. And we all were like, oh, no, what's happening? And then they were waiting and not knowing what to do. And Jesus shows back up. So they're like, of course, that was your plan. You're about to take over now, right? And he says to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Ooh, that's hard, right? We want an answer. We want instant gratification. God, tell me right now what's going to happen and when it's going to happen. But he's saying, it's not for you to know. 
but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the the earth. He's saying, I've got a plan for this. I'm not telling you what the timing is gonna look like. You will be waiting, but while you're waiting and I'm working, I'm asking you to work with me. I'm asking you to be a part of it. Join me in this effort because you need to know that what I'm doing is for all eternity and for everyone. So you're gonna find yourself in the waiting room because our lives are a waiting room. It is one big waiting room from that moment when Jesus ascended back into heaven until he comes back because he's coming back. Who believes that here with me today? We will all come before Jesus. And if our time ends on this side of heaven before he comes back, you will still have that moment with him in the kingdom of God as you're walking and following him. And you can say, yes, I can step into his kingdom. And when we get there, it's asking ourselves, did I wait well? Did I slow down? Did I have patience? And did I say, God, I trusted in you that in the middle of my waiting, I believe that you were still working. So I'm holding on to every promise you've ever given me. And I wanna be a part of reaching the world. See, as I read that, I I read it as when the Holy Spirit comes on you, the power that you will have through the great comforter, through the great physician in the middle of your waiting, you'll be my witnesses at Soul Revival in all of Racine. Racine County to the nation and beyond all of the world. We have an invitation to be a part of what God is doing. And we might be in a waiting season and you feel like that's preventing you from being a part of it, but really that should be the very reason why you do it because you know what's at stake. Because I'd rather be in a waiting room with a doctor that has 100% victory than waiting in a room where you're just wondering, ah, 50-50, what's the world gonna give me today? No, I have a hope in the great physician who has come to seek and save the lost, who is coming for the broken, for the hurting, for the sad, the outcasts, and those that just need a savior. They need a great physician. And I wanna be a part of seeing people's lives changed in trend. Transformed. How about you? God is working it all together for his good. Not ours, his. In the middle of the waiting, God is still working. And after he said this, he was taken before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. We're in a waiting room. Are we awaiting our appointment with Jesus with anticipation or anxiety? Because whatever season you find yourself in, even if waiting is difficult and challenging, take a deep breath and say, it's part of God's plan. I don't know why I have to wait right now, but I'm gonna trust in him because I've tried so many earthly doctors. I've tried so many worldly answers and none of it has helped. But I wanna trust the great physician. I wanna trust in who he is within my life. And you might be in this space today, maybe you've never made that decision to step into a personal relationship with Jesus. You're wondering, how do I get there? How do I have this great physician? How do I find joy and anticipation in the middle of my waiting season? What does that look like? What do I gotta do? Well, God's word says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. There's no special thing you have to do. There's no five-step process you have to go through. No, it's just saying, hey, I'm hearing about this Jesus and I believe that he is who he says he is. I believe that he lived. I believe that he died and greater than that, I believe that he rose again. And through that, you will have eternal life. Come hang out in a waiting room with some people that wanna walk along life with you 
help you in those moments of worry because we can sit in a waiting room worried or we can sit in a waiting room with worship and we can praise God for what he's doing and what he's about to do. I want to ask, would you bow your heads in this space today? Would you close your eyes? Anybody in here, maybe that day is today for you where you're saying, yeah, I just want to step into a relationship with Jesus. I believe, I believe about this man you just told me about who is all man and all God and that he died for me. And I'm going to count to three in a moment. When I get to three, I just want you to shoot your hand up. There's something about making an outward expression of that inward transformation just to say, yeah, I believe. It's powerful. One, you need to know that Jesus, he came and he died for you. Two, you need to know that he will meet you in the middle of your waiting, even if there's pain there, and he'll walk alongside you, and his plan is perfect. And he's saying, I will not leave you or forsake you. And three, if that's you, would you shoot your hand in the air today? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can put them down. God, I thank you so much for those who made that decision today, those who said yes to a relationship with you. God, I thank you that you are working and moving and speaking. I thank you that you see our sin as far as the east is from the west. Lord, I pray over each person who made that decision, and I pray over each person in this space that you would use us to love people well, to wait well, and to do it all with an expectation and anticipation of what you're about to do. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining Soul Revival Church Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review us to help reach more people with the hope and love of Jesus. If you would like to support our ministry, you can visit us online at www.soulrevival.church.